The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program, everyone. We're looking forward to a great oh man, my hair. This is just this is just out of control. I know. I should have done something about it a long time ago, but I haven't, and it's now just completely crazy. Let me fix it. Hang on. By fixing it, I just mean I need to get it out of my face. The rest of it I can live with for now anyway. So good to see everybody as you all file into chat and get ready for the program. We're going to be talking tonight with Christy Whitman. Christy is the author of a book that we're going to be talking about. The book is called The Desire Factor. And let's see, I have it right here. Looks nice cover. I got to read through it. Very interesting stuff. And Christy's going to talk about the ideas, the concepts that she outlines in that book. But um, I'm looking forward to the conversation with Christy. And uh, but before we get there, I do want to. I'm sorry. I'm just a little. I'm a little distracted here by um, by the haircut thing. I do want to uh, just kind of remind, not remind people, but revisit. I guess is the word that uh, the the Sunday night program that we did. I don't know if you caught it or not, but we. Uh, I had Britt Griffith on the program with me, and we did something that we had done during one of the weekday shows a while ago where Britt and I both had some paranormal evidence. I grabbed some stuff off the Internet that had been circulating around. Britt pulled some stuff off of uh, investigations that he had done with ghost hunters. And we went through it, talked about it. We took some questions. We got some evidence submitted by some people in our chat room. That was cool. We got to take a look at that. And uh, we had a really good time doing that. I'm curious as to what folks thought, because one of the things that we're looking at doing is more of that as well, because there isn't enough on my plate, right? We've got the political show. We've got booze, brews, and bros. We've got uh, beyond reality. So what I need is one more show <laughs> to do, <laughs> but I really had a good time doing it. And I think there's there's a you know the real, real value in looking at uh, the evidence and chatting about things. And I know a lot of people in our chat room have investigations that they've done and they have uh, uh, evidence and photographs or EVP or video or whatever that they've collected in investigations that we could have people submit. So we're looking at doing that a little bit more. Um, And uh, we're just trying to decide when. I think we're going to do another one Sunday night. We'll keep the Sunday night leftovers and write-overs program that we do on Sunday. on um, the Independence Gang. We'll keep that shorter like we did this week, and then we'll do another one of these paranormal examinations. And uh, hopefully, uh, maybe we can even, if I can set it up between now and then, maybe I can even establish a way for people to submit some evidence from our chat room and stuff in a more uh, timely fashion so we have a chance to process it and get it into the show more properly than we did last time. We had to fumble around, try to grab it from Messenger or whatever we tried to do. It worked. It did. However, it was a little cumbersome and it was a little bit clumsy when we did it that way please subscribe to the channels regardless of what show we're going to do on here uh it's it's paranormal related on this particular channel i'm talking about uh of course uh beyond reality please subscribe to the channel on youtube also look for us on twitch we are live on twitch as well that is kind of our backup uh broadcast and then also find the podcast version of the show the podcast version of the show always amazes me at how well it does and i appreciate all of our podcast listeners there are many of you and thank you so much for uh participating in the program in that fashion uh i i do appreciate it and i hope you share it with people as well but if you're if you're a youtube viewer listener 
Uh, if you subscribe to the podcast, you can always be sure to have a backup as well for the program because all the programs are archived there. So we'll appreciate that. I don't think we've got anything else we need to cover. Uh, I think what we'll do is we'll jump into a break. We'll get our guest, Christy Whitman, on the line with us. And we will begin a conversation about her book called The Desire Factor. That's what we'll be talking about tonight on Beyond Reality. Looking very much forward to this conversation with Christy. We'll be right back. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show. And it's so inexpensive. Now you can go to Patreon and you can become a Patreon supporter. And we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month, less than a dollar, goes a long way in helping us produce this program, provide great interviews views for you during the course of the week. I thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By the way, visit my Facebook page. It's JVJ Paranormal. You'll find it rather easily on Facebook. Also find the Facebook for the show or page for the program, which is uh, Beyond Reality Radio. Also very, very easy to find. Tonight we're talking with Christy Whitman. Christy is a New York Times best-selling author and a transformational leader. She's appeared on the Today Show, the Morning Show, the Hallmark Channel, and other places. Her work has been featured in numerous publications and magazines. She teaches the Law of Attraction energy master, and personal development classes as well as meditations and private sessions to help clients feel more aligned with the divine design of well-being, abundance, and success. She lives in Arizona. Welcome to the program, Christy. Great to have you on with us tonight. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me, JV. I have to ask you, the Hallmark Channel, the only thing I'm familiar with with the Hallmark Channel, and I have to admit, I, I tend to skip over it when I get near it because it seems <laughs> to be Christmas movies uh, 12 months a year, and it's always it seems to be the same plot. Tell me you were not in one of those films, were you? <laughs> no, I was on the show. It was, it's a, kind of like a talk show ah. that they had on the, the network, yeah. Okay. And no, I was not in a Christmas movie. <laughs> well, I can see how those films are very uplifting and very you know inspiring for people i know a lot of people love them that's why they do it so i wouldn't have i wouldn't have uh, thought that was a bad thing necessarily i just thought it was a bit curious oh no yeah no that would have been fun to act in that way but no i was on the show talking about quantum success and and when my book quantum success came out and uh, it was a great a great time and it was a lot of fun yeah you have several books uh to your credit obviously we're going to talk about your most recent i think it's the most recent the desire factor is that the newest one yeah um so tell me about the books in general though when you started to write what was your objective in writing all of the books and you know as you as you release them one at a time well it's funny because i never set out to write a book it wrote it wrote me i was awoken at one of five in the morning actually to even back up i went to bed one night and i was meditating before i go to sleep i do that every night and I had this picture of, or this image of, it said, Perfect Pictures by Christy Whitman. And I thought, that's interesting. I'd never seen, you know, I don't have a book. I've never desired to write a book, anything like that. So I went to bed at 1.05 in the morning and woke up with this voice that kept talking to me. 
and it was like giving me information on what I was struggling with at the time, which was having perfect pictures. When you're looking at things as, you know, there nothing's ever right, nothing's ever good enough, so you have to look for the things that are wrong in order to fix them to try to make them perfect. That's what I was going through, and that's where my mindset was at the time. And so I started, I woke up at 105 in the morning with this information just coming through, and I got up and just started writing, and my hand became independent of my own consciousness and just yeah. was writing faster than I could go. So that happened seven nights in a row, and the book has seven pages. So I got the book published and started speaking and, you know, started doing workshops in, like, spiritual bookstores and churches, and people started asking me to coach. So I started following that pathway of coaching, and along the way, I would get woken up at, like, quantum success. I was on a cruise ship at 3 o'clock in the morning grabbed pen and paper, went into the bathroom because it was the only place to go because my family was all sleeping, and just started, again, that process where my the pen hit the paper and just started going and free-flowing. Free and the desire factor is one of those as well, just completely downloads. So I'm never one to sit and go, you know, people need to learn about this. Yeah. It, it, it just comes through. I mean, that is an amazing phenomenon. I know as a musician myself, um, and I write music, sometimes the music comes to me that way. I'll wake up with with a song running through my head that, yeah. that somehow I was inspired to wake up with. Uh, yeah. Where do you think that energy comes from? Well, it's from the divine. It's it's us in our, our being able to be just a conduit for that that information, whether it's a song or a painting or a book or, you know, something that's very creative. The divine in us loves to create. And, it you know, it, it knows, obviously, its audience. It knows that it's not going to probably write a song through me. You know, I, I'm just not never leaned in that direction. Could I, of course. But it knows to give you songs or, you know, some other songwriter or producer with me it's books and so it comes from just that genius part that all of us have that many are resistance to and a lot of times when we're in that sleeping state we're in non-resistance and that's where it can easily find get our attention and then we're so enamored by it that we go with it instead of resisting it i don't want to get into some weird territory here but i need to ask you when you talk about the divine in this respect what are we talking about is this god energy it's energy. Yeah, God, God, all that, yeah, if you want to call it God, energy, all that is, you know, creation, it, it's the thing, the, the life force that all of us have living inside of us that are, you know, it's beating our hearts, it's breathing us, it's life. Is it what, is it what has given us our soul? It's, yeah, it's, it, it's different levels and dimensions. Our mm-hmm. soul lives on a different dimension than that God self, but it's, it, it's like energy um, comes down in different dimensions, and our soul lives on a certain dimension as we live in the third dimension. When you, um, let's move forward to talk a little bit about your, your new book, The Desire Factor. What does it mean to manifest your desires? How do you define that? It's every individual has desires, and a lot of people won't admit they have desires, but it could be a desire for uh, more peace of mind. It could be a desire for something material. It could be a desire to eat, you know, uh, wanting to eat dinner. So we all have desires as a personality, and it's usually something that has a beginning and an end. The divine in us, again, that energy that wants to co-create with us, it's the one that gives us those desires to have us move and become more of who we are, to expand, to grow. 
and the personality gets to partner and they, you know, get to get to play along and have the house or get the get the meal or have the the mental transformation, whatever the desire is. Nothing gets created until there's a desire. Nothing happens, nothing changes, nothing nothing transforms unless there's that spark of desire. When that happens, then things are things get created. Magic happens. One of the things you say in the description on the book is that the true gift is not in acquiring the desires. It's in uh, it is uh, who we become when we allow our desires to move through us. What is that? Yes. What does that mean? It means that when we have, you know, when you have that moment of you get excited about something, you think of an idea and you go, "Oh my god, I'd love to do that." Like you feel that life force, you feel that that passion, you know, that, that excitement, that's life. Like that's energy moving through us. And as long as we don't talk ourselves out of it, like, well, who am I to do that? Or somebody else is already doing that. Or I don't know how to do that. You know, that's what most people do. But if we allow ourselves to be moved by the energy, then like we were talking about writing the song, writing the book, you know, doing something creative, that energy moves through us and creates. Can the desire be more than just, you know, trying to accomplish something per se, but can it be something more material? Is that, or is that too selfish? Oh, I love that you're asking that question. My, this whole book and the whole journey of this book started because I wanted a purse in Venice. <laughs> and I mean, so I talk about how the things in the material world, even though people would say, oh, you know, that's selfish, or you shouldn't want that, or, you know, a secret desire that everybody, I mean, most people have is more money, but you can't say that, right, because that's bad, or that's selfish, or that's not right, or whatever, it's materialistic. But the fact is, we're in a material world. I mean, as Madonna said, we are material. I was just going to say, Madonna said that very well. I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we we live in this 3D 3D reality, which is material. We we have formed things. We we need to live in a house. So if you're going to live in a house, why not live in the one that you desire? For someone, it could be a small cabin in the woods, right? For somebody else, it could be a mansion on the mountain. For somebody else, it could be living in a, you know, a high rise in a, in a city. Wherever the home is, we get to all put our own desire and flair into it. But it's like, why would having a nice home to live be selfish and materialistic? It's, yeah. The divine wants us to, you know, live great. I mean, if you're going to drive a car, why don't you drive one that you actually desire to drive? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I, I've always kind of rebelled against this idea that wanting more for yourself and or your family is somehow uh, selfish or somehow inappropriate. I think that we actually make society better if we all strive to be better ourselves. So I, I don't, I'm don't, I'm not sure I've ever bought into that, and I don't quite understand where it comes from. Another thing that you write in the book, it's on the dedication page, you, you thank the readers, you say that... Um, you uh, that they are involved in writing the book. They called this information into being that this was a co-creative project. How did how how did you view that? In, in how did your readers become part of this particular book for you? Well, because I feel like the people that are going to read the the book, they're they're calling this information forth. People are asking the question that this book answers answers the question too and that it wouldn't become it wouldn't become into being 
in the way that it does and be as inspired and you know everything that was written if it wasn't something that was drawn in by by a collective that is wanting the information and so i just feel i just feel that and so that's why I wouldn't be creating it. Like a lot of my best programs that I do with coaching and things like that are clients that are asking those questions of, you know, how could I heal this or how could I change my relationship with money or how can I become a coach or these kind of questions. It it was all called into being and then it became because someone had a desire like the, the, the readers. Right. And in the introduction, you touch on that as well. You talk about uh, desire and you say each of us must make the choice to grant our, and this is the part I find very interesting, grant our desires permission to be. Does that imply that we're standing in the way of our own desires? Yes. There, there's three things that happen with a desire. You either go, oh my gosh, I love it, and you flow with the desire, and you feel open, and you get excited, and you take whatever action, and you know, you write the song, or you write the book, and you, you do whatever you, you, you want to because you just are still enthralled by the desire. Then there's those that receive a desire, and it's like the energy just, they don't do anything with it, and the energy just dissipates. It just, like the excitement they, they felt, it just starts to fade away. Then there's others that are excited by it, but then that's where all the limitations come in. Well, I don't know how to do that. Who am I to do that, right? I, well, my parents never did that, or because my parents always had this, I can't do that. And there's all that limiting, limiting beliefs and imprints and you know things that we were conditioned to think. and Or we tried in our own life, and we were going along, and things didn't work out the way we wanted them to, so we felt disappointed. So they don't, we don't ever want to feel that disappointment again because it's too painful so I'm just not going to try I'm just not going to have desires I'm going to you know what I'm good the way I am and it's it, it's a lie because again even if it's for a sandwich to eat we, that's still a desire if it's for you know better health for your family or that's still a desire it's natural for us to desire so it's that fear of failure too that gets in our way yeah. many, many times, um, regardless of the level of the, the desire. Absolutely. We get the memory of not getting what we wanted the last time, and that part of us kind of pulls us back, saying, do you remember? remember what happened the last time you stretched yourself or said you were going to do something? or you know, And it pulls us back from really stretching and wanting to have those greater desires. Uh, in the opening chap- chapter, chapter 1, you ask, how come uh, some people seem to manifest so easily with great results while others struggle for years? And that's, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people, I would observe friends of mine, things seem to come very, very easy for them when they want something. And then there are others that seem to struggle, don't have the same ability to make these things manifest. Uh, I find myself somewhere in the middle. Sometimes it seems to come easy, sometimes it doesn't. What's the difference between people? Yeah, it's well, it's the mindset. It's all about energy because we know now that from modern science, we know it from quantum physics that everything is energy. And when we are attracting something and going with the flow, we're flowing with that energy. It's like it becomes easy. It's like the right place, the right time, doors open. You know, it just feels like we're in the flow, whereas other people, they work really hard. It's not for lack of an effort, but they're working really hard, and yet the mindset it isn't going with them. My, my dad is a perfect example. He retired when he was 85. He's 89 now. And he 
work he was one of the hardest working people I had ever met and he worked six days a week to provide and yet he had a mindset I believe in the universal laws like law of attraction he believed in Murphy's law so he thought that things were all going to go bad he expected everything to go bad he had a pretty negative lack mentality about how things were going to turn out and how the world is against him and kind of that victim mentality. So he worked really, really hard, but his success did not come easy to him because he blocked it. He was not in alignment with the success that he was efforting to make, whereas other people come into alignment thinking that, you know what, I got the divine on my side or I got God on my side or think good things will happen for me. And the effort that they take, it's like doors and doors and windows open. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm hearing in part of this, too, is, you know, that adage, uh, the power of positive thinking sounds like that plays a role here. It absolutely does, because we create from our consciousness. So our consciousness is not just what we think. It's what we say, the words that we use. It's the perspective or the expectation that we hold. It's the emotions. Some of us are really good at stuffing our emotions, and so we don't feel ourselves. And that's part of our consciousness, part of how we create. And then, of course, the actions that we take. All those things are how we create our reality. And by positive thinking, you get positive outcome because more positive things come back to you. The more negative the people focus on, the more negative things that happens. It's energetic momentum that literally creates our reality based on what, how we think and feel and speak and, and, and act. If you're just joining us, we're talking tonight with Christy Whitman. Christy is a New York Times best-selling author and also a transformational leader and um, consultant. Her new book is The Desire Factor. That's what we're talking about tonight. You can find out uh, more information about Christy at her website, christywhitman.com. There's also uh, a website for the book, thedesirefactor.com. Christy, you may have touched on this a little bit already, but let's talk about the obstacles people put in front of themselves, whether will, knowingly, willingly, or just, you know, unknowingly, that prevents them from actually proceeding on this, uh, this path to being able to manifest a desire, regardless of what that desire is. Yeah, so there's three main obstacles let's talk about, because the first one we've been talking about it a little bit, it's us. We become the obstacle to that desire, thinking that we can't do it or saying, oh, I, I can't, the language, like we just talked about all that, right? So our own consciousness, thinking that we can't have something or shouldn't do something or talks ourselves out of it, we become our own obstacles many times where we feel we're limited and we can't achieve what we want. And the second obstacle is other people. Right, We might be really excited about something and feel really good about something, but we could talk to our mother or our, you know, spouse or our child or, you know, somebody that may be like, well, aren't you too old to do that? Or, you know, that's risky. You know, are you sure you want to take that risk? Are you you too young to do that? Isn't that too dangerous? You know, and they talk us out or they evoke this kind of obstacle in our way, kind of invoking doubt in ourselves. So they, a lot of times, will become an obstacle. Or if we're, we're moving towards something and say it's someone close to us and they are dead set against it, they could be an obstacle. And then the third way that we have obstacles is the how. Many times people don't know how 
to manifest what they want or to accomplish what they want. And that's really what the desire factor does. It shows you the how step-by-step in exact order that whatever desire you want or that you feel, you know, being called to create, you have the step-by-step formula of exactly how to do it. The, uh, I think it was Thomas Jefferson, and I think others have been credited with with a quote similar, but uh, I know Thomas Jefferson said something to the effect of, um, luck comes to those who work hard or something along those ideas, uh, that idea. That sounds also a little bit like what we're talking about here. Um, if we want to substitute luck for the results of achieving your desire, um, it's really about working toward it, isn't it? It is. And, you know, and here's the thing is that we always think, oh, it's work, work hard is the formula for success. But, you know, we all know people that work really hard and they don't get guaranteed, they're not guaranteed success. That's true. So, yeah. So it's like if working hard was the solution, why are so many people struggling? It's not just about working hard. It's working with the confidence that what you're doing, you have purpose in it. You're passionate about it. You, you feel the full presence. You don't just call it in. You're, you're, you're engaged in whatever process you're doing. And, and that's where instead of the perspective of work hard, it becomes work full. Be, be in the fullness of, you know, putting your best foot forward, doing all things the best way you can for the purpose of, you know, what you're contributing. And that gets so much better reward than the idea of working really hard and struggling. But this is also a process that involves personal investment, I would imagine, based on what you're saying here. And let me just differentiate, and I don't I want to be careful how I do this, but we've had folks on the program that talk about things like wishing and having things appear for you, or even some people have come on and talked about a form of, of witchcraft, if you will, spell casting that, that makes things happen for your benefit, whatever it happens to be those. I'm, I'm not sure what I think of those, but what I'm, what I'm hearing you say here is this is a whole process by which you empower yourself to bring about the change that you're looking for. Absolutely. And and we need to take an active role in it because it's our consciousness that creates. It's not witchcraft. These are universal laws, just like we be, we believe in and know about gravity. Now, JV, you and I, I would bet, did not fly off into outer space because we weren't talking about gravity. You know, gravity is still working, whether we're talking about it, whether we know about it or not. And that gravity has me sitting very firmly on the chair that I'm sitting in. I'm not going in outer space. I'm not flying at the top of my roof of my, you know, my ceiling um, in my room. And yet universal laws like law of attraction and law of sufficiency and abundance, they exist because they, they govern our, our universe. So the universe is vibrational. You know, we, everything is energy. And if everything is energy and all energy has a vibration – what happens is as we send out that, that vibration in a thought, in a word, in an emotion, in, a, in an action, we get that vibration back to us. So as we're sending out thoughts of lack and limitation and not enoughness, we get more evidence of not enough in our reality. And same is true if we are looking at things as abundant, there, there is enough to go around, that you do have what it takes, that things are working out for you. That's what starts to literally materialize into your life by your relationships, by your projects, by your money, by all the different things that are symbols of, of that. 
Yeah, and you also talk about the fact that when a desire manifests itself so seemingly easily, uh, it feels a bit miraculous. But this is not about a miracle. No, this is literally about how we create our own reality. It, we get to choose by free will where we place our where we place our consciousness, and if we we're focused on the abundance of our experience. That's what our our life looks like. But if we're focused on the lack of it, that's what the evidence there is. You know, it reflects that too. Yeah, uh, Christy, how do we get around this evil connotation that desire comes with? Um, sometimes, you know, it, it sounds like greed. Sometimes it sounds like self service, self serving, whatever. How do we get around that? Well, it's just an understanding that. You know, they, they even, it's a misinterpretation because, you know, I always say this, JV, let's, I think someone long before you and I were born said, let's just see how much we can mess them up. <laughs> let's agree that everybody needs this thing called money, for example. It's a medium of exchange. If someone wants to eat something, they have to earn the money to be able to go buy that apple and eat it. And yet, at the same time, the Bible says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So wait, we need this thing called money but we're not supposed to love or appreciate it because then we're evil. And I think that causes a split between people. There's also other religions like the Buddhists say that, that desires are the root of all suffering. Desires are not the root of all suffering. It's having a desire and not thinking that you can have that desire that is suffering. So it's challenging. These are very old ways of thinking. And even before, it was never money is the root of all evil, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Before that version came, it was greed is the root of all evil. And so when you're focused on creating a desire and you're feeling that good energy coming through you, you're not being greedy. You're literally allowing life force through you and you're creating and we are extensions of creation. And, and, it's different than being greedy or miserly or competition or competing or comparing or, you know, playing a victim or any of those. Yeah, those don't feel good, and they don't do any good to anybody around you. But when you're thriving in your life, you're you're literally more generous or more loving. You you feel, you know, more creative. You, You feel the joy of life. It's a very different way of being. Yeah, and again, it goes back to that concept that uh, striving for more for yourself and or your family is somehow um, greed or self-serving. When in fact, I think if you're doing that without make, you know, transgressing on other people, without stealing, without you know, deceiving other people to get the money, without hurting other people to get ahead, I think as long as you're doing it from a, a perspective of legitimacy, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a creative thing. It's a, it's a life-giving thing. That's what desires do. And when we, you know, as we circulate this universe of desires, you know, we've talked a lot about just in the last few questions about money and this and success and work and all these things. But what about more intimate desires? And I don't mean that in an intimacy with another person. I mean, you know, personal self-worth, the things that we find inside us. Yes. Yeah, that, I mean, those are things that a lot of people, de- they desire to have more confidence. They desire to be more patient. They desire to have, you know, like you're saying, more intimacy or more connection or more love. I, I work with a lot of clients where they just didn't know how to feel love, and so they've denied it from themselves. And and to have this great desire with them to, to re- return to love or to know love, that's a desire, 
and so that's why to say but desires are all bad. You know, like you can't desires are, are root of all evil. Really, yeah. to to feel good and expand and to feel connected to the divine that's that's evil. Yeah, it kind of seems like that's the point of being here, right? I mean, that's why we're here, to feel those things, to experience those things. Exactly. How did all this start coming to you? I mean, when did you start having these realizations and and starting to develop these ideas where you could put them into practice to achieve better results for yourself and other people? So my life changed about 25 years ago when I found um, meditation, and and my meditation teacher told me, the things that absolutely changed my life. She said, you create your own reality. And something in me just knew that to be true, something I couldn't explain. I'm like, it's true. I don't know how I know that. But then it was like, well, how? And she started saying to me that your thoughts are either repelling things from you or attracting things to you. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, my thoughts, you know, I, I, I was so identified with my thoughts back then. I thought that everything I thought was true. And so as I listened and start, became the observer of my thoughts, I realized I was really in a mindset of lack where nothing was ever enough. I was complaining. I was judging. I was critical, constantly comparing myself, competing. And I wanted to know more about what this was about. And, and that became my healing journey 25 years ago going from lack to abundance. And as I shifted and changed perspectives, my life started changing. And I started literally seeing like, it almost seemed like magic before my eyes, but it was literally, now I understand I was changing the energy. Therefore, the things I attracted changed. And so I just kept leaning in, wanting to learn more about energy and magnetism and manifesting and, you know, how I create my own reality. And my own quest then you know, became something that turned into then sharing it with other people. And so I, I continue to teach and coach and, and share what I do and how I've applied things and mis- understood things and misunderstood things and, and uh, put it into now, you know, what's become the seven essential laws and my life's work. All right. So I've got to ask you about this meditation thing. I'm one of these people who I can't see myself meditating. I have trouble sitting sitting still long enough to get my hair cut, let alone <laughs> quieting my brain down and sitting in a quiet, you know, self-reflective state. You know, I know I know everybody can do it. I just have a real difficult time understanding it for myself. However, I've had so many folks come on this program, and when I ask them a question similar to what I just asked you, how it started for you, it often starts with meditation. What is it about meditation that seemingly is so magical? Well, meditation, you know, and by the way, there are so many different kinds of meditation. And when you go to meditate at first, to sit in a quiet room, you know, with nothing, even just even music is just so hard for the mind because we're not, our minds aren't trained to do that. Our minds are trained to cycle between the process the past, the present, and the future. It's not trained to sit in silence. And so to do it at first, it's like kind of going to the gym the first time when you pick up a really big weight and then the next day you can't move your arms. You know, it's painful. <laughs> so, yeah. so doing different kind of meditations like guided meditations and, you know, different, different ones that are not requiring you just to sit in silence. You could do a meditation where you're using an affirmation and focusing on the affirmation and just feeling the energy and the truth of that affirmation. That's doing a meditation as well. But what it does is it literally connects us to a 
a, a larger part of who we are. It allows for more union between the energy and the physical, and that's what it does. In many cases, it does slow down the mind so there's less resistance and more opening. My problem is anytime I sit and try to do something like meditation, the Macarena song starts going through my head, and I just can't sit there for very long. So. Do, you, do you get up and start doing the well, Macarena I, I, with, it, with the song in your yeah, head? involuntarily, my arms start moving, and it's really embarrassing, so I, I try not to do it. Um, let's talk about the seven principles. You have uh, the chapters in the book are, are separated by the principles. Talk a little bit about those. Yeah, so each of these principles are like having a lock, you know, a combination lock, and each one needs to go in the exact order. So they literally are a step-by-step approach. One goes like dominoes, right? And so each one builds on the next. And what what this has done is that because I, I bring through and channel the council, this book is written with the council. That's who i am been, you know, prescribing all these years. The wisdom was put it in this order because that's what helps the energy flow. It's all about the energy. So alignment is the first principle where it's kind of like what I was talking about with my dad. No matter how many actions you take, if you're not in alignment mentally, emotionally, you know, just in a, in a complete energetic alignment with it, you're fighting against yourself and you're having to spend a lot more action and effort because you're out of alignment. So that's that's the first one. And and the principles are really like the principle of alignment is really, we go deep into that, what that means. And then the next one is the principle of focus. We have these free will minds. We have free will to focus. And most people are focused on what they don't want, not on what they do want. And so we have to be able to really start to, it's almost like, uh, dial in the lens where we want to shoot the picture, you know, where we want to place the camera because we need the focus and nobody else can do that for us. And, and we have the choice to, to focus on what we want. And then the next one is joyful expectancy because a lot of times you might focus on what you want, but then you're expecting the worst to happen or you're expecting not to succeed. And it's really having that joyful expectation that the desire that you have will manifest and then it goes into, like, you're really getting into now the energy, the principle of having, where you become a vibrational match to it. Then the principle of loving, where you're loving the energy of it, because love is the most powerful energy in the in the universe. It's a creative manifestation energy. And then from there is surrender. And surrender is not giving up. Surrender is not, you know, meaning, like, you don't think about it. You surrender any resistance about it. You, reset, you surrender the energy of lack, for example, and, and stay in the energy of abundance. And then you take action. So any action that you get that's inspired action, you take action from that place. Now, all of those principles take just a few minutes to go through. Once you start learning them, you, like, have the alignment, the focus, the joyful expectancy, like, all that goes quickly once you understand each of the concepts and you know how to apply them. At the end of each chapter, you've got you you have a series of what I think would be considered like reflective questions about what you just talked about, and then you have an energy mastery exercise. What's that? The energy mastery exercise is a guided meditation. So, for example, when you get the book, um, I always laugh because the publisher likes to put all that in there, right? But if you're if you're reading the energy mastery exercise, it's like okay, close your eyes. Well, wait, I'm I'm reading a book. How can I close my <laughs> eyes and continue to read this mastery exercise? 
So I recorded them as well. And when you go to um, thedesirefactor.com, it shows you how to get the recordings of all those. But you could literally pop on the recording, and then it takes you through a guided meditation to help you implement what you just learned in that chapter. I have a question that uh, that we just scrolled through the chat room that I wanted to ask. Um, Steph asks, uh, have you ever felt like you've, and I'm going to try to ask it as best I can because I don't quite understand it, but have you ever asked like you've, that you, have you ever felt as though you've fallen backward to where you were before you started meditation? No. Um, I've never personally experienced that, and I haven't seen clients that have. Um, no. I mean, I feel like that opening creates an opening that continues okay the uh all right i just wanted to see if if she was if that was answered for her um okay uh, tell me about your clients though when people contact you what is it they're looking for what type of consultation do you give them they're looking to you know a lot of people come to me because they've tried a lot of things they've gone to therapy they've done the meditations they've you know done the online courses they go to the rah rah workshops you know and they're still feeling like there's something more there's something that's still holding them back from being really what they feel is being called to them and when they when they start releasing the imprints the pain pr- points um, from whether it's childhood or adolescence or even adulthood, what, what these, these bushwhacking, imprinted, you know, jolting moments that life, you know, happens sometimes. When we can release the energy of it, we then have more openness to feel good. We feel more peace and more harmony. And it, like I said, that all reflects. I've had people that have gotten out of like really severe debt by just shifting their energy and their perspective. I've had people heal their bodies just from doing a session of energy work. Um, I've had people, you know, get promoted in their careers or have these amazing, you know, creative ideas that then go into a business and then that make a really great income from them. So I've been, you know, coaching 20 years and I've seen a lot of people attract their ideal partners and I've, I've had the, the pleasure of marrying them. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of really um, amazing experiences that people have. Let's talk a little bit about how other people affect you in this process. You know, we all have had the experience of whether it's a romantic partner, if it's a friend, maybe your parents or even a, an employer that seems to have some type of way of affecting you negatively. And obviously it would affect what we're talking about today. How do you how do you mitigate the effect people like that have on this process? So here's the great thing about this. I have a perfect answer to that question. My mom and dad are very negative people, and they're, you know, they've been together 65 years. They have a very negative relationship. Being around them is stressful. Um, it can be nerve-wracking. And during COVID, you know, I was bringing them food, and this one particular day I knocked on the door, and I'm hand- holding the food, and my mom opens the door literally screaming and yelling at my dad, and he's screaming and yelling at her. So I'm walking into what felt like a hornet's nest, and I was thinking to myself, I'm not going to be here long. I'm going to drop the food and run. I don't want to be in this energy. And so they kept going at it, you know, bickering at each other, and I just kind of pulled myself. I sat down in, at a, the kitchen table, 
and just observe this. Instead of judging them and letting them, that almost like that energy come into me, I started to allow myself to feel compassion that I grew up with parents that argued like this. And I started feeling the compassion for every moment that I couldn't just get up and go if I wanted to because I was in, living in the house. And I felt that compassion. And then I felt compassion for them because they they supposedly love each other and, they, and they, yet they you know, yell at each other like this. And so now I'm feeling the energy of compassion. And then watching them, it became the feeling of gratitude. I'm so grateful for the relationship I've created with my husband and that my boys get to grow up in a, not perfect, but a, a marriage and in the family that where we get along and we're respectful of each other and we care about each other and, and we show that, right? So now I'm like, I'm changing the energy in the room because all of a sudden my mom and dad come and sit down and we start talking about funny moments and, you know, funny, funny um, family moments or beautiful memories or things that my kids have done. And I ended up sitting there with them for a couple of hours in just this place of appreciating and being in you know, gratitude and feeling the blessings of life. So I had a choice in that moment. I could have either been affected by them and their energy, but by bringing in, by, by cultivating that energy of compassion and then of gratitude for what I've created, it completely changed the energy in, in the house and it changed the situation. So instead of focusing on what other people are doing to you and how they're affecting you, if you're connecting with energy, and that's what my work is, is really is, and we talk about it in the desire factor, is connecting to the source of all that is, of all energy, and so I was in that moment being able to connect with that feeling of compassion, and then that brought me into a feeling of gratitude, going into a higher feeling of vibration instead of the lower level, I was able to influence instead of be influenced. So once again, this comes down to you being in charge. You're the master of your, your direction here. Yeah, we have to all be energy masters of our own consciousness because we're the, the only thing we can control in this life is our consciousness. And we can't control anybody else's consciousness. Like, we cannot control what comes out of somebody else's mouth or what they're thinking or what they're feeling. But we can have influence on what we say or what we think or what we feel. And when we do that, when we change and choose to be in a higher vibration or in a more positive way, positive, empowered outlook of life, then our experience reflects that. Once again, we're talking tonight with Christy Whitman. You can find more information about her work at ChristyWhitman.com. Her new book is called The Desire Factor. There's also a website for the book, TheDesireFactor.com. Books, um, other books to her credit, Quantum Success and the Art of Having It All. Uh, Christy, I just have to ask this because I'm a political animal. How many times have people have said, what was it like being the governor of New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I was I was married um, before, and so my Whitman is from my first marriage. And so I never dealt with that before, but when I became Christy Whitman, I would get that from – I was a pharmaceutical rep at the time. Physicians would ask me all the time, Are you, I know that name. I've heard, I've heard your name before. I'm like, oh, really? You know, and then if there's, if there's someone – from New Jersey or New York and they hear my name, they're like, oh, yeah, I've met you before. Or, you know, they, they, they think they know me. <laughs> yeah, I, and I have, I have a common name, too. My, my full name is James, so it's Jim Johnson. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of Jim Johnsons around, and I'm often asked about things like that, which I find is funny because a lot of people don't know my face. They just know my, see the name. So it, I, 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 I sympathize with you for that. <laughs> um, it, it, the... When, 
as you as you release this book and as you as people start to understand this process and they start to recognize uh, what they can achieve by understanding the process, what does that do to society if we all start thinking this way and and learning uh, how to use these ideas to help ourselves? We literally are living in a place where every person is kind and they're in abundance because we're not having to compete with each other because my source is my source and because you're succeeding, it doesn't take away from me succeeding and that we can all literally have what, what it is that we desire in life. I mean, we all will feel so much more joyful and more empowered and more loving and more kind. And, you know, there won't be, like I said, that, that lack that pulls us into fear that leads into behaviors of, you know, of being rude to each other and being nasty or, or trying to be competitive. It would be a very different world if people understood how to, what desires are, and how to achieve them and really what the relationship is that they have to develop is between them and them, not has nothing to do with anybody else. All right, shifting gears just a little bit here, although it is still quite related, uh, what is the Divine Quantum Council? So I, there are different energies, different multidimensionalities, if you will, like our, our soul is on the th- fourth dimension and, you know, beyond. And there are ascended masters, there are angels or guides that all of us have all around us all the time. And so who I've been channeling or scribing is the Divine Quantum Council. They're ascended masters. It's, it sounds crazy, but it's high vibrational consciousness that comes through me. And that's what wrote the book. And that's what, a lot of times my consciousness will go out and their consciousness will come in to teach about energy mastery and how we can all thrive and feel good. Uh, believe me, um, it doesn't sound crazy to this audience at all. In fact, no, <laughs> and seriously, we've talked we've talk about things like this a lot. Uh, but tell me a little bit more about the makeup of the council. And, uh, you know, when you talk about, again, using that word divine, a lot of people automatically think God, and you use, just word, use the word angels as well. So give us a clearer picture of who, these, who, who this council is and what their purpose is. Yeah, so the council, it's not a like a number, and they're not individual consciousness. Like we are all each, you know, you're JV, I'm Christy, we're all individual, separate. They're a collection. It's like a collection of, of just higher awareness and higher information, higher vibration that comes through me and teaches about energy mastery because there's a lot of different channels out there and there's a lot of different, you know, people teaching different things and and can teach people how to leave their bodies and, you know, go into higher levels of, of um, energy dimensions and things like that. They're interested in helping each of us humans in a very practical way take very esoteric universal laws and learn how to literally become granular in how we apply this into our lives so that we're enjoying our lives. We're not, you know, taking most of our time sitting in meditation so that we can leave our bodies because a lot of times meditation gets to that. People are in pain emotionally because they haven't process their um, energy of their emotions in a in a way that's intelligent like using emotional intelligence and yet they so they want to escape their their reality and they meditate so that's that's even an escape so how do we then be present grounded in our bodies connected to our divine self with our divine design of being in well-being and abundance and success and love and and be masterful of our experience that's what they're here to teach 
And, and do you channel them in real time? I do. Wow. Yeah. And and when they and when you wrote the books, is it, have they assisted you in writing all of the books, or just this particular one we're talking about tonight? Yes, all of the books have been channeled with the council, and this one's a little bit more special in the sense that they were the ones channeling. But since we wrote this book, that I've been first person channeling them. So so now I know who they are, and it's a much more intimate personal connection in this book versus my other books, even though those were channeled by them. It, it, for me, it feels like a very different experience because there's a different connection. And not try to take try to take anything away from you, but do you channel these are these words flowing directly from them through you onto the page, or are they simply inspiring you to come up with the words and develop them, develop the actual con, uh, content yourself? Both and okay, both. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and are these the ascended masters that make up the council? They are, yeah. So they are they are a group of Ascended Masters. What, what has been communicated to me that they are the highest level of energy and vibration of consciousness that is on the planet right now. Did you find them or did they find you? We kind of found each other. Um, it, was, it was interesting because the first book that I wrote 20 years ago, that's where, you know, they, they came to me and they were talking through me. And then when I put pen to paper, they were, I was channeling you know, them. And then I kept leaning in and then all of a sudden I became a healer, an energy healer and would just start. I remember on a call, it was before Zoom, we were on a teleconference call. I was in Montreal and this woman was in Seattle and my hands went up and I could feel like this energy was felt like fiery hot in my hands. And I could see the silhouette of this woman. And she goes, did you just put your hands on my neck? And I said, yeah, I did. I could see and she was having neck pain that whole entire day, and then the neck pain went away. And then there would be times where they would say to me, tell this client this. They, they said something alarming one time. They said, tell this client she needs to go to a doctor and have her hips checked. And I'm like, I am not telling her that. And they're like, <laughs> tell her. Like, they were being persist, like really persistent. I'm like, okay, don't kill the messenger, but I'm hearing that you need to go to a doctor and check out your hips. She's like, why? I don't have any pain in my hips. I'm like, I don't know. Don't kill the messenger. They're being persistent. She went the next week, found out she had cancer in her hips. Oh, wow. So... I've learned to listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that, isn't that the problem for a lot of people? And I'll put myself right into that category. We close ourselves off and we just don't listen. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of and times I, we'll have mediums. Do it. Yeah, and we'll have mediums on the program that talk about, you know, reaching loved ones on the other side. And they, they'll, like in unison, say that if we open our minds and our eyes and our ears and pay attention to the things going on around us, we're actually communicating with those loved ones all the time, or at least they're trying to communicate with us. Right. Yeah. We need to quiet. And that's what, back to your question about meditation, that's what meditation helps us to be more open so that we can either, you know, communicate with those on the other side or communicate with the God self or, you know, feel the energy flowing. The, The things that are not are less tangible, you know, that become more real when you slow down the the mind and you start working with your energy, the, the non-physical becomes as real as the physical. So maybe all along this has been my mom putting the Macarena song in my head as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what's been happening this whole time. <laughs> Christy, I love it. Christy, do you, uh, do you um, have any affiliation or, or do Reiki? Uh, one of our chatters asked the question. 
No, I don't do Reiki. I've never been trained in Reiki per se. I just have always followed, um, you know, the the council and their guidance. And it's interesting because one of the the first things that my meditation teacher um, asked me to do is she said, I want you to go learn basic meditation with this other woman. And I went there and it was literally a healing course. And I could feel the energy through my palms. And when we were practicing on, you know, different people in the class, they would turn around and look at me and go, what is, what is that? Like, you're, I could feel that energy. It's, it's just always been very powerful. And so it wasn't following Reiki or any other energetic modality. It was just doing what came natural, what I was guided to do through the council. And it's always just seemed to work well. We, you have uh, several books. Obviously, we're talking about the newest one tonight. But do you recommend people read them in any particular order? No. I mean, all of them. Like, I have The Art of Having It All, which is, you know, a great book for men, too, because it talks about universal concepts. But it's really about, you know, there's this argument of how men, people don't tell men you can't have it all. But there's a very big debate about women having it all, what that even means. So that book is specific to that. Quantum success is very specific to money and career. So it's it's really applying the seven essential laws to that. Um, the desire factor is, is literally everyone understanding that relationship that we have with desires, applying these seven principles, not the seven universal laws, the principles that go into flowing with a desire. And yet everything underneath is based on the seven essential laws. So. Let's break this down into a real personal um, experience here, if if I can. Um, if somebody is really struggling in life, and they have a real, they're having a really really difficult time, and they're they're you know they're reaching out for this kind of self discovery, this kind of help. Obviously, getting your book, the book's going to help them understand and, and follow a process by which they can start to discover these things. But what other advice would you give them? You know, the first thing I always get asked is, how do you apply this information? And I would say, watch your words, because words in our language are part of our consciousness, and so so much so that I have people asking me, like, what words? So I created a free program, and it's a 30-day video program. You can go to watchyourwords.com, and it tells you three things in a matter of two to four minutes per day. It's a video of me telling the word or phrase of the day, what to eliminate from your vocabulary, why, and what to say instead. So I'll give an example. During the pandemic, everybody was saying, I miss. I miss getting a pedicure. I miss seeing my friends. You know, I miss going to dinner. I mean, everyone was saying, I miss, I miss, I miss. Whenever we say words like I miss, it pulls our energy down into lack. And we feel bad. And when we start to create these stories of, I miss going to dinner. Oh, my gosh, I'm being controlled, the pandemic, da-da-da. You know, I, I can't, I don't have any free will and choice, so we feel bad. But when we change the wording from I miss to I look forward to, and I know, and that happened with me during the pandemic, I said to my husband, I miss going on a date with you. And I went, wait, no, that doesn't feel good. I'm looking forward to going on a date with you. And all the restaurants, we didn't know when they were going to open. All the restaurants are closed. And, right. and so I said to my husband, you know what? Since I look forward to going on a date with you, where would we want to go when the restaurants do open? 
And we started talking about all the different restaurants, the ones we enjoyed. Just having those conversations are uplifting. And then it was like, okay, once, oh, we figured out the exact restaurant. That got exciting. And it's like, who would we want to go to with? We want to just go ourselves or we want to go with a couple. Then it became this, like, big creation thing. And then for me, it was like, ooh, what am I going to wear? You know, like, <laughs> I got all excited because put started putting the outfit together. So it was a very creative conversation versus I miss going on a date. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. Once then you're going to be open. Life sucks. You know, it's a very different energy field. And one word changed. Like, so I stopped saying I miss to I look forward to. And there's 30 words and phrases. And these are things that literally make a huge difference. They're subtle shifts, but they make a big difference. And the more you start to pay attention to the words that you say, then you start paying attention to the rest of your consciousness, your thoughts, your perspective, your emotions. So it all builds from your words. You brought up the dirty word pandemic. Um, did any of <laughs> did any of this messaging from the divine quantum council or anything that you were feeling? Did any of it change either during the the you know the the few months prior to what we realized was the pandemic during the pandemic, or now that it seems to have started to subside? No, it's been the same message that, you know, we cannot control what's going out there. We can't control the government, what the, who the president is going to do or what he's going to say or anything like that, the pandemic. And we can't control what our mother-in-law is going to say. One thing we can have influence over is our consciousness and our own energy mastery. And when we master our energy, even if, you know, contrast happens and say someone says something or does something or there's a loss or, you know, whatever those human experiences are that just don't feel good, we can master our own energy, release that energy, and then connect with the energy that we want. And you know, for them, the only thing that their shift was is that a lot of people are going to awaken during this time because it's an amplification time. And there's some people that are going to get so amplified that they're going to have to turn and do some kind of work. Other people will stay unconscious, but it's still free will. And, you know, while this amplification time is going on, meaning whatever is in in there, so for example, if someone's lonely, right, they feel lonely, they don't have a partner, they don't have anybody, and then they, now they're stuck in their house. That's going to amplify that loneliness right. or someone's fearing money, right? And they're always freaked out and fearing money and worried about money. And now they have to work at home and now they're afraid they're going to lose their job. So it amplified a lot that was already dormant, but it was already activated at the same time inside the human psyche. By the way, if you have any clients or anybody that uh, fears money, you can put them in touch with me. I will gladly take it off their hands for them. And uh, and keep it keep it safe, uh, Chris. Chris we're, being, we're out of time here. Let people know where they can get the books. Yeah, you just go to thedesirefactor dot com and it shows you all the different places you can get it. And what if uh, folks want to contact you with some type of private consultation? Uh, you can go to christywhitman dot com. Great. Thank you so much for your positive, uplifting message. We can use many more of those in these days. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate your time tonight, Christy. Thank you so much, JV, for all that you do. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.